How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 183 of TLDR Podcast, otherwise known as the record, I'm sorry, the season record for tackles combined, which was for the season in the NFL, which was uh which was Bobby Wagner at 183 for combined tackles. I don't that's quite a large stat. I don't know what tackles combined necessarily means, but maybe James can shed some light on what combined tackles is. I mean, it's the amount of tackles you have overall, and that's solo and assisted tackles. Because not every single tackle is going to be a tackle by one person. You get like half a tackle sometimes, and you put that together and you get 183. So Bobby Wagner, good for you. Still see bag, bag, so. Bobby Wagner, your favorite from your favorite uh, team in your in your division. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that is what we got. So I do the numbers, which is actually a lot harder. Um, you know, as we go along, like some numbers are just too obscure. I, I, uh, luckily I found an easy one. Um, uh, Tyler, uh, interesting weekend in the NFL, uh, interesting weekend in the NHL. Um, how was your weekend and what storyline between kind of all the sports caught your eye the most? Wow. Um, Riga was great. Um, obviously got to see all of you guys, um, this weekend I was got came down to visit. We went to a Kings game on Saturday night. It was super fun. And then I got to see everyone. We got hung, hung out, got to host a little football Sunday action. So I had a great weekend. Um, lots of beers were consumed. Um, so I had wine yesterday cause I was a little bit tired of beer, but, um, other than that, I'm doing, doing just fine. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and I think for me right now, the biggest thing, um, is the NFL. Um, I think just with, you know, kind of going into the conference championship, um, and just, you know, kind of the way the last weekend's games played out. Um, for me, I think right now that's the number one, um, sports focus for me at this, at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, death taxes and the bills fucking up a playoff, uh, payoff game seems to be, uh, (laughs) same old, same old, (laughs) nothing changes. Uh, uh, Alex, uh, I know that you guys went to a, uh, a Kings game. It's probably going to be your only Kings game of the season, unless you, uh, you know, happen to make another, you know, late one or maybe playoffs. Um, how was it? And, you know, m- same kind of question. What, what storyline in all the sports caught your eye the most? Yeah. Uh, it was a good weekend. Yeah. The Kings game was fun. Um, the return of Jonathan quick to play in LA was, was really awesome. Um, they obviously had like a video tribute, uh, star Wars night, which was great because Tyler was like giggling the whole oh, evening. God. He was, was excited awesome. about it. So we fun. both got, we didn't even know what was happening. And then we like, we're walking down to our seats and I was like, Tyler, there's Darth Vader. And then he got really excited. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> kind of the same thing. Just my boy, Joshy. I just feel for him. Um, as you all know, Josh Allen and I are best friends. Um, I called him after the game. He was really bummed. He said, wow, we really shouldn't have done that fake punt. And you know, <laughs> it all worked out kind of in the end, but, um, yeah, some, some really exciting conference matchups, I think on one end, one that we could have probably predicted somewhat early in the season one, maybe not so much. So yeah, I'm really excited, um, for this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Um, another thing the bills could have done is probably ran the ball in the last uh, little drive there. I don't know why they were going for the end zone so early, but Hey, I'm not a football coach, so maybe I'm just an idiot. Um, James, uh, obviously the, uh, the, the football has been, has been, um, talk. Is there any other, you know, news that has kind of caught your eye or ear outside of football, despite you being the football guy? Oh, uh, no, <laughs> that pretty much wraps it up for me. Like there is really not much else. I mean, and the only cool thing 
other thing of note was hanging out with Tyler on Sunday hungover. That was funny. Bro was falling asleep standing up and at 50% capacity making hot dogs. So Tyler, thank you so much for making hot dogs while hungover and hosting while hungover. That You're very welcome. Fun. Yeah, we we definitely appreciate that, Tyler. Um uh, just just a quick note. Um Patrick was back behind the uh, behind a uh, uh NHL bench, which kind of caught my eye the most. That's I just needed to throw that out there. I thought that's kind of crazy, um, considering his his exit um in Colorado. But uh, at, at the end of the day, I still, my mind was all on football and that's where we're going to go right back to James. Um, why don't you take us to the conference championships for this weekend, 2024? All right. We'll do just before that. I got to thank Alex for taking over last week when I was not here last minute. He did a great job. I listened to it, had a lot of laughs. You guys all did fantastic, but Alex, thank you for hosting that part. No problem. We're going to start in the NFC because you know, it's my favorite division. Uh, number three lions at number one, 49ers. And here I go spending some really interesting things. Lions coming off a 31 to 23 win over the Bucks. Jared Goff played really well, 287 and two touchdowns. He spread the ball to eight different receivers, one of which had one catch for zero yards, but it still counts anyway. The defense was really good, four sacks and two, two interceptions. The Niners, on the other hand, coming off a 24 to 21 win over the Packers, CMC carried that team literally and figuratively, brought 128 yards and two touchdowns. The defense struggled against the Bills, or should I say the defense, or against big plays and penalties when it mattered, but when it mattered, they held strong. And really, it wasn't really them struggling. It was them struggling to stay on their feet and not slipping. That was a struggle. Uh, but Tyler, who's going to win and why? Man, this is um, going to be a really fun game to watch. I think the biggest questioning in this matchup is the health of Debo Samuel. Um, I think if he plays, the four ers have an edge. Um, if not, I really think this could swing the other direction. I think that the Lions definitely have all, all the momentum heading in this game, but obviously the first two games in Detroit now going on the road to face the, the number one seed in the NFC. I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm still giving the slight edge to San Francisco here um, just because they're at home. And I feel like they have the better overall defense um, going into it. But I think a huge component of that is Debo Samuel. Um, whether or not he's going to play, because that's going to vastly affect how this offense is going to be played. And I think Detroit's one thing that they do have is stopping the run. It's it, 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 it is CMC, but you nevertheless, if they can do that, well, I think this could be a pretty huge upset, but I'm still going with the Niners here. I like it. Alex said the Niners are going to lose who wins this week, the lions or the Niners. You know, I just said that because you were shaking in your boots while we were watching the Lions Bucks game and you were cheering on the Bucks so hard. And then they, they kind of almost came back and then they didn't. I was full on prepared to pick the Lions until Stephen A. Smith picked them. And he's obviously a moron. So I'm going Niners. And if that's not the most logical thing anyone's ever done, I don't know what else is, but a lot of what Tyler said, um, I think Debo, you know, obviously they can win without him, but have it, you know, you want him if you can, um, it seems pretty 50 50 if he's going to play right now, to be fair, it's Tuesday, still a lot of the week left to go. Um, but I, 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 you know, I think the, the lions, the, the home field advantage of playing in Detroit really helped going into San Francisco. It might be a little tough. It's not supposed to be raining, which should just make for a better football game for everybody. Um, but I just think the Niners have too much talent on that team. I think I'll be close, but I'm going to, I'll take the Niners. And then trade in Niners lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I think, you know, you look at, you look at this game and, and you have two very different stories. Um, you have a story of a team that 
I wouldn't say they're a team of destiny, but I say they're one of, if not the best team in the NFL right now that have a great defense, have a great offense. Um, and everything was clicking at the right time against a team that has so much, you know, so much emotion, so much, um, so much to play for and, and has, has not much to lose in terms of, you know, a, a legacy because this is the, because they've, they've already done everything they possibly could for that city, for that team. And now the rest is cherry. To me, that's a scary position to be in, um, on the side of the, uh, of the 49ers. So you can get into the X and O's. You can get into the fact that the 49ers are built better than the Detroit lions at this point. There's, there's no doubt that th- there's more talent on one side on both sides of the ball. However, when you have an entire football team that is willing to run through a brick wall for a coach, when you have a team that's willing to play for each other beyond, you know, or th- through thick and thin through everything. And they're, they're literally carrying the entire city on their back at this point. That's scary to, to be, to be in the position of the 49ers. And the emotion of that is going to, I mean, it is it, going to allow the lines to play loose and to play great. And, and if the 49ers play like they did this past Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, they will lose this football game. I will say that right now. Purdy has to be better. The 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 backs have to be a little bit better. Uh, and I I think they will. I think that they got the the rust off after the long break. And I do think that the 49ers are going to win. But they need to be that elite defensive team, that elite running game team. And Purdy needs to take care of the football because, quite frankly, if the pa- the Packers lost that game because they just could not catch a fucking football, <laughs> there was three picks or two or three picks I could have counted, um, and and that's just not going to cut it this time. Um, you know, the competition gets harder, but I do think that the 49ers will win by a touchdown. Close game. Fun fact: Jared Goff is 0 five against the 49ers, and for those who don't know, Jared Goff is quarterback for the Lions. So that's a good fact. Um, and also the Niners are now one and 31 when losing in the fourth quarter, but more than five points. Also fun fact, moving on to the AFC number three chiefs at number one, Ravens, the chiefs beat the bills. I predicted that correctly. Nobody else did, even though I wasn't here. That was still right. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Mahomes was not spectacular, but Travis Kelsey was, it's been a while since he's had a game like this, but it came at the right time. Uh, five receptions for 75 yards and two touchdowns and the defense played great. They held Josh Allen to 160, 186 yard passing Ravens. On the other hand, had the only blow win of the weekend, 34 to 10 over the Texans defense and the run game just took over. They held the Texans to 213 yards overall of total offense, but the Ravens running like rushing offense outgained the entire Texans offense with 229 yards, hundred of which was Lamar Jackson's. That's incredible. Alex, who's going to win and why? Yeah, this is a real conundrum for the NFL script writers. Do they want a Super Bowl rematch with the Niners and the uh, Chiefs, or do they want two number one seeds and whether, whatever that logo script writer situation is? This is a real, I mean, again, this is a the Niners move on. Real conundrum for them. I am going to go Ravens just because I want to see a different matchup. I'm kind of tired of the Chiefs. Um, I think all of us were cheering while well, James had left, but the rest of us were cheering for the bills during that game, just because we're tired of seeing the chiefs, um, continued success. And I, you know, I think they're, they're honestly pretty similar teams at this point. Um, and I'm just going to give the edge to the fact that the Ravens defense has just been incredible all season. 
um, and really put it to a high flying Texans team that we saw come off that win in Cleveland thinking, okay, they might have a fighting chance and then looked like they were, you know, a couple steps below the Ravens. So I'm also just going to, you know, take the home team on this one. So I'm going Baltimore. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. So I talk about, I talked about the team of destiny uh, earlier. I, I didn't quite say that the Niners were, I do at this point, think the Ravens are a team of destiny I, uh, in terms of getting at least to the Super Bowl. Uh, they have been a dominant force throughout the entire, this entire season. Um, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson has shut me up because I had never thought that he could be a passing threat and he has been, and he also still moves the ball with his feet and, and he just lo- looks like he has complete control over that offense. And on top of that, he has a, de- has the defense support that makes it so he doesn't have to put the ball into, into, um, you know, uh, into harm's way to win a football game. He has the support to, to, um, you know, to get him back the ball and just continue their, their, uh, their, their offense. That being said, the chiefs, last week this past week against the bills shut me up as well because i did not i did not say think that the chiefs were a um as big of a threat as they have been in the past and i still do believe that and i and i don't know what to think of uh you know the 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 wide receiver group um and the you know uh, besides the defense on the chiefs i don't i'm not quite convinced that they can beat this Ravens defense um i know that it's mahomes and it's and and it's the chiefs and that's what they kind of do they 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 just always find ways to win football games. I think their luck's going to run out. You have a you have a Ravens team that can move the ball on the uh, on the ground <laughs> incredibly, and I just don't know if it's. I think it's going to be too much for this Chiefs uh, Chiefs defense this time around. And uh, you might see a huge huge day for Lamar Jackson. So you got two people going for the Ravens. Tyler, you want to make it three, or you got Chiefs? Until they lose, you have to consider the Chiefs as the favorite in this game. No matter what is going against them, no matter what the stats tell you, no matter what the season to this point has has told you, I, I I just feel like all the pressure right now is 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 on the Ravens. Can Lamar Jackson step up in the big big moment? I'm not sure. I know Patrick Mahomes will. I know Travis Kelsey will. I know Andy Reid will. That's what they do. So Chiefs are going to win this game. Sorry about it. I actually I don't agree with Tyler often. It's been 103 episodes of us documenting that, but I agree with that. And I got the Chiefs winning this game. And that ends our conference playoff preview. We're all good. All right. That's all we got for uh, football this week. It's only two games. Um, and it, it's gonna it's gonna be great. It's gonna be all on Sunday. It's gonna be at that same, you know, uh, you know, middle of the day time that I that I really liked. And uh it, it's gonna be a damn good battle, I think, guys. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, because the next time we talk about football, we are going to be talking about the Super Bowl matchup. Um, but before that, we're going to get back to the rest of our uh, rest of our topics this week. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA and some trades and some mat- and some rankings and the whole thing. When we come back. Welcome back, everybody. We are back yet again with another week of NBA talk with Alex. We have a, tr- a big trade that happened during uh, during this week to kind of kick off the trade deadline, or I guess continue the trade deadline, uh, or path to the trade deadline, as well as ranking the West. So, Alex, why don't you take it away? 
Yes, thank you, Traden. Yeah, we have some trades. We have some more trades we'll probably talk about next week and a new coach that we'll probably also talk about next week, but we're not going to get into that right now. What we do need to announce, because James was not here last week, even though I technically told the guys in person um, on Football Sunday, but I needed to tell you guys, the listeners, about our City Connect, whatever the hell they're called, final rankings. All right, let's start. You know what? Let's start with each conference and we'll go bottom and top. And then I'll tell you who's the overall worst and the overall best. So in the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies are the worst rated team with a score of 3.375. That is very much skewed by James giving them a 7.8. And then, (laughs) oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Also, shout out to Kylie, who also did a little bit of, we talked about this on Sunday, and she also hated that one. So James, (laughs) I might just just text Kylie and get hers instead of yours. Uh, (laughs) That's cool. And then uh, the highest rated one was the Jazz with 9.175. Um, funny how that was like in our first segment and we just really liked it. It's big purple Jersey. I don't know. You guys should know we're big fans of purple jerseys in the NBA in the East. The Cavs were the top rated one. And then the Raptors were the bottom rated one. And then, so overall the Raptors were the worst Jersey 3.325 overall score versus 3.375 from Memphis. So that was again, completely James's fault. Um, and the Cavs got like eight and a half. So they were still underneath that nine mark that the jazz had. So jazz at the top Raptors, at the bottom, according to us, you guys let us know if we're, st- I mean, we know we're stupid, but you just, you can just tell us. <laughs> um, but yes, trade in did kind of mention we had one big trade specifically kind of focused on the Raptors. Pascal Siakam is no longer a Raptor, but he is an Indiana Pacer. So Pascal Siakam in a 2024 second round pick coming from the Pelicans goes to the Pacers. The Raptors received Bruce Brown, um, Jordan Nuara, Kira Lewis Jr., a 2024 first-round pick from the Pacers, a 2024 first-round pick from one other team. There's like three options. It's really confusing. And then another pick, um, another first-round pick in 2026 from the Pacers. And then the Pelicans just received cash. They just received straight-up money. So, James, I'm going to start with you. Um, You're our Pacers guy. What do you think of Pascal finally getting traded? Um, to to Indiana. I mean, the fact that Pascal got traded is great. To Indiana is whatever. I mean, um, I think that the Pacers needed defense, and they needed defense bad because offense is not their issue. Pascal Siakam doesn't necessarily bring defense. He brings athleticism. Yes, that's great. But is he known for his defensive prowess like OG was? No, not really. What he's known for is scoring in bunches and getting some rebounds here and there. And also fouling out a couple of times because that's what he does. Uh, the, he's been on this team for three games and they've lost every single game thus far. He hasn't played his potential. He's, I think he has a high of 21 points and a random game where he has like 10 rebounds. But also he hasn't played with Tyrese Halliburton yet. He's played one game with him and he had 21 points there. I think for this trade, for us to know if this trade was a good trade for this season, I want to see those two stars play. Because that is the future of the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, but one of the best passers, great assist, like can move your offense. And if he's not playing with with Siakam, who is known for his offense, you don't see what this offense is going to evolve into. And that's what we're going to have to focus on now. This team is all offense, no defense. So let's just score 140 points every night and give 138. But as long as you outscore your opponents, you're good. It goes against every logical reasoning of every championship team ever. But let's see if this works. And 
I, I, I don't know if it's a good trade yet. I just got to see the two of them play together and Halliburton's nursing a hamstring strain. It might be tricky to, to get him back soon, but once he does, I'm interested to see how this team flows. Yeah. I mean, again, it's been, we can call it one game, I guess, technically, because when you're not playing with your best, with the best player, the face of the franchise, it almost doesn't really count. Um, yeah, James, I kind of agree with everything you said. I think it was obviously time for Pascal to go. We will just have to see kind of how those, how those two mesh as they kind of continue on. I think part of the main focus, and maybe they make another move. We're not really sure, but the main focus is to get some of the offensive, just stress off of Tyrese. And, you know, hopefully they will gel kind of as the season continues to grow. Um, trade. And we also talked about this on Sunday. You've been saying for like a year and a half now, you know, it's time for Pascal to get out of Toronto. So what did you think of him getting traded to, to Indy that fit there? And then, you know, what, what Toronto got back. Uh, in terms of the fit, I think, I think James kind of nailed it in terms of, I don't know how, I, I don't know what this is going to do for the Pacers. I, I, I I could be totally wrong here. I think it was a complete overpayment for a, for a guy who you haven't signed yet, who was on an expiring contract. You're giving away a lot of first round picks. And I understand that the Pacers are in a position where they probably can start to move picks um, and, and start to build for uh, you know, for not, not the future, but the near term. Like I'm not saying you go for it necessarily, but I'm saying now's the time where you start to build your pieces and you start to, you know, make playoff runs and, and go from there. That being said, you did not show up the defense and you spent, and you spent a lot for a player you have not signed yet. And I not, I'm not sure that he's going to sign there after this. So you're left with nothing at the end. If you, and we can assume that they're not going to make the the finals. I mean, I know that things can happen. Like, I mean, crazier things have happened, but to get like, you have to get past the Celtics, like good luck. <laughs> you have to get past the the bucks. Good luck. Yeah. There's so many other teams that you got to get past. So I don't know if I, how much I really like that side of it. Uh, in terms of the Raptors, I think that, you know, I am actually shocked. They got as much as they did for him because Siakam controlled where he went, could controlled what, uh, controlled what he, uh, where he was going to go. And and they, he knew he wasn't going to sign in the Raptors. The Raptors didn't want to sign him, and they and they managed to get. I know that they're deep first round picks, but they've done pretty de- pretty decent in terms of their drafting. Uh, not as of late, but in the in the in the distant past, I, I like it for the Raptors. I think that they're finally they're they're no longer Alex. They're no longer that team that says we're going to be the middle. No, they are. They know their shit. They they own it, and they and they're taking their uh taking their picks, and hopefully they can build for the future from there. Um. I, I I just don't know what what it does for the for for the for the Pacers unless they sign them I guess. Yeah, I mean maybe the Raptors listened to the pod last week and realized that they were in the who cares category and realized <laughs> all right it's time. Um, Tyler on the Pelican side they get cash. No, I'm just kidding. We're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> on the, <laughs> Damn, on the Pacers research. Yeah, how they do? Um, no, but on the Pacers side, you know, obviously Toronto gets three picks, three first round picks back. You never know what that's going to turn into late first round guys blossom into superstars, late first round guys play one season, in the NBA, and then go play in Serbia. Like you just never know. But with the Pacers, you know, do you think we had them as a play in team last, last week? Do you think, you know, similar question, like what's the fit? What are your thoughts? And do you think this elevates them into potentially a more, a deeper playoff threat than maybe we thought they were even a week ago? 
I think with that last question, I think it, it's too early to really tell. Um, I mean, this could be just one of those fits that just works so well and they just go on a great run and they may win a couple of series. But um, I think they're definitely better after the trade for sure. I think it, give, it gives them a legitimate number two score, which I think, you know, in the NBA is super, super important to be kind of in that mix of contending playoff teams. Um, it doesn't, you know, complete the team. They still have a lot of weaknesses as James kind of uh, um pointed to so it's not like this is a it's a trade that makes you go oh my god the pacers are legit now like but I, they're better um so i i i think you know time will tell how much better they will be but i think siakam definitely said like it, it gives them a, a legit number two score um it they're better than they were before this trade started so i think you can point to that as being a successful trade on their end i think on toronto's end you know right now they're building for the future and they get a bunch of first round picks which help them do that it's up a matter of time whether or not they draft well and those draft picks work out of course there's no guarantee they didn't really get any guarantee like solidified guys back in this deal um so i wouldn't necessarily call it a great trade for them either um so i think for both of them there's definitely we have to kind of see how how this plays out but overall pretty solid trade on both sides yeah i mean i was surprised they got three first round picks back um two coming from the pacers and one coming from somewhere else eventually um that feels like a lot for pascal siakam but some i think a lot of it is the pacers are looking at themselves and thinking okay there's maybe five teams that are legitimately better than us in the East. This is the most exciting we've been since the early Paul George days. And maybe it's time, it's time to do something. And like, I think it's a positive thing when mid market teams make moves. We talked about this, you know, we've talked about this in baseball. We've talked about, we've talked about this with every sport. It's like, we like to see teams going for it. So good on the Pacers for trying time will tell on whether the, whether the fit works. Um, and then, yeah, for Toronto, Bruce Brown already looks like he's potentially going to get flipped pretty soon here for either more picks. I would assume probably second round picks for him or, you know, young controllable talent. Um, and now Toronto's in that, in that rebuild that they've kind of just been avoiding for like three years. Um, so at least they're making a move. At least they're going one direction over the other. And as a sad, that is for Toronto fans, at least it's the right, you're doing something, whether it's bad or good, but um, we have other trades that we'll, again, we'll talk about next week. Um, two teams that really traded either four players or coaches that are above the Pacers in our, in our standing. So we'll talk about that next week, but it is time for the Western conference to roll with our tier list. Let me move that thing out of the way. Get, get the fuck out of the way. Okay. <laughs> so as you all remember, this we have five tiers starting from the top is the conference favorite james i don't know if you listened to this part last week but what we decided okay just to remind everybody there's only one team that can go in the conference favorite that's it uh last week it was a very easy selection i have a feeling this week will be a little tougher in that second tier we have deep playoff threat um you know that's one that we assume can can make win a couple of series maybe make a conference finals we have a play in team doesn't necessarily mean they're just a play in tournament team they could you know make the playoffs but they're not we don't feel they're that deep playoff threat who cares i don't, I don't know what else you need to tell me about that and then booty cheeks same thing ideally two two teams go in there for one for each cheek but we'll we'll just have to see massive yeah this is gonna be there was a long conversation about a specific team 
with trading and Kylie on Sunday that may or may not go into booty cheeks and may shock some people. Oh, so they're going to go into that joke. <laughs> but um, I random, we randomized them just like last week. I randomized the guys' names and then I randomized the teams. Some guys got better teams than others. I'm just going to say that up front right now. And then they all came in on random down here at the bottom. But we are starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Traden, you own Dallas the Dallas Mavericks. Um, it, it's a team that, that you know, sit in eighth place. They've they, they played pretty decent basketball this whole season but it ha- but it ha- it doesn't scream to me that they're they're necessarily a de- like I'm, t- I'm 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 torn because i don't know how many teams want to throw in a deep playoff threat i don't know how many we're going to play in i know they're above who cares like there's there's no doubt about that so i'm going to say playing guys but maybe you guys have a different case for why they should be a deep playoff threat but i look at other teams and i just see a little bit more there there um, I will let Tyler and James kind of be the other, um, kind of conversationalists on this. So go ahead, guys. I mean, I definitely agree. Play in team. There's really not much going for them other than Luca right now, sometimes Kyrie, but Kyrie could just step wrong, get a bruise on his foot or just be pissed off with the world and say the world's flat and stop playing. <laughs> so therefore I like the play in spot. That's it. That's the Dallas Lucas in play in. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, you, you could maybe make a case they could be deep playoff threat, but it's, it's pretty weak. And I think as James said, they're kind of fragile. So I feel like, uh, I, I, I feel like playing team is a pretty fair spot for them. Okay. I do think, so last week we did one conference favorite. We had to have at least four teams in deep playoff threat. I have a feeling with the West, we can kind of throw those rules out because it feels a lot, a lot harder to do that. So, but we'll see how it goes up next. We have the Denver nuggets, Tyler, we are throwing that to you. Um, so where do you have the nuggets? Yeah. Uh, for me, they're the conference favorite. Um, I know that they haven't necessarily been the top of the conference all year, but they're the defending conference champs and the defending NBA champs. And I think until you knock the champs out, I think they have earned that spot to stay there. And as we, as we're talking right now, they're tied for first in the conference right now. Um, I just, I just think that they're the most, um, complete team. I think they're the most experienced team. Um, like I said, they're, they're the defending champs. So for me, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be the conference favorite still. I agree hundred percent. I mean, there's no way any of you can convince me otherwise. Um, this team is bored and they're still tied for first. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. I think there's some other teams that we could have a potential conversation about in the conference favorite, but yeah, the nuggets obviously as the reigning champs doesn't seem like they've slowed down other than yeah, trading. They're just bored. They're just kind of waiting for the playoffs to start. <laughs> um, all right. Now we have the golden state warriors. Palmes, Golden State. So as we talk on Tuesday night here on January 23rd, the Golden State Warriors currently sit at 18 and 22, the number 12 spot, four games below 500, 10 and a half games out of the first spot. But I have them as a playing team. And here's the reason. They just had a massive wake-up call this last week. Massive. And I hate to say it, but Trauma brings people together and their assistant coach just died. Like this is, this is huge news that is traumatic to just about everybody in the organization. And even like the surrounding organizations in the basketball world, like it's, it's a huge deal that some, a mentor, a coach, somebody you looked up to somebody you, you were vulnerable with passes away unexpectedly out of nowhere. That's traumatic and trauma brings people together. I have a feeling that this team is now closer now more than ever 
and actually have something to play for. They're here to play for their teammates and to play for their assistant coach that just passed away. There's a reason for them to be doing good. And I get that now there's, they're not. They haven't played in forever. They're on a two-game losing streak. They haven't played in over a week. But this time in this lamenting, in this period of grief and sadness and leaving you alone to your thoughts, I think in a basketball sense, makes them stronger. In a human sense, it's sad. It's terrible. It's you you feel for these people. But basketball-wise, I think they're stronger because of it. I think they're closer. I think they they bonded over something that is bigger than basketball. So I think they're going to start playing better now and they're going to figure it out and grab that playing spot. Okay. So what I was alluding to earlier, James, that was great. Fantastic. Trade in suggested that they should be in booty cheeks because they're too popular of a team to go into who cares, but they've been playing horribly. And then obviously now they're going through this tragic situation. Trade in, do you still feel booty cheek or do James? It's tough. James, James makes great points in that you've seen teams and organizations and, you know, you know, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess organizations and, and teams come together over, over tragedy like this. And, and, and I, I hope that it's, it, it is the wake up call that, that James alludes to. Um, again, you can't, they cannot be a who cares team, right? They have to be a playing team or they have to be a booty cheeks team because people care so much about the golden state warriors. They are, they are, you know, still one of those teams that we give a huge shit about. And I, I'm okay putting them in the play in team that, that being said, we have, I mean, that means that uh, two teams have, they have to get up in front of two teams or at least one team has to drop out. So I guess, you know, I guess we'll talk about them later, but we have a team that's in a play in spot now has to be either a who cares or a booty cheeks from here. All right. I think we might, as we put more teams into the play in as the warriors get further and further on the right side, it feels like they're the bottom, bottom tier of that tier. That makes sense. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see it last time we did some changes after the teams have been placed and we'll see how it goes. They feel like one of the toughest teams to place, to be honest. So, um, but moving on, we are going to the state of Texas in the Houston Rockets. Tyler, you have Houston. Yeah, this was a interesting one. Um, I'm actually going to make the case that they're a play in tier. Um, I think that this is a team that you know, is doing a lot better than I think some expected. I think you look at their overall stats and they're not doing too terribly. Um, they're kind of right below the Mavericks and the Kings in terms of just overall production, um, which puts them in that play in tier. Um, I, I I don't think the Utah Jazz are going to hang around for that long, to be honest with you. Currently, they're they're in that plan. Um, not sure about the Warriors. You guys, I, it, it, it could go one of two directions for that team. So um, I'm going to make the case that the Rockets are playing team worthy. Okay. Uh, do either of the other guys feel differently? Oh, hundred this, this team sucks. <laughs> dude, dude, dude. In the last month, the only team they've beaten of significance is the Celtics. The other teams they've beaten are the Jazz. Pretty significant. The Pistons, who everybody beats anyway. Uh, the Nets, the Detroit Pistons, who everybody beats anyway. Like they, this is the last month, and those are four wins in the last month. Four wins in a month, and you're saying they're going to go in and play all playing I, spot. I I I, uh, I also say I look at the I look at the roster of this team, and I, there's besides Van Vliet, I don't really care about anybody on this team, and and they're going to be they're going to be selling guys. I think right, like I mean I, I mean unless unless you guys think that they're going to make a push for a playing spot, I I just don't think this team's ready there. Maybe I'm wrong, but four wins in a month, Ty. 
I mean, okay. So, I mean, obviously it's a small sample size, but the way I'm looking at the conference right now, like I, I, I don't think Utah Jazz is playing. I don't. Um, and no. so that's open one, one uh, that, that, that that's one open spot. The Houston Rockets are half a game out of that spot as we talk right now. So yeah, four, four, four wins in the last month they haven't been, been playing well, but they're right there. They're, they're in that conversation. Um, so I don't think it's as cut and dry as you're making it seem. I, so what, well, the rules were going to be last time when there were four of us, we tied the owner of the team was going to have final say last time. Obviously James was not here. So we only had three and we didn't really have this problem. <laughs> I'm going to, I think we should leave them in play in for now, which then I would assume Tyler will leave them in. And then again, let's kind of see how the board flushes itself out when we get there. And if we need to move them, we can move them. Um, I don't think they're going to be sellers or buyers. I think they're just going to stay put because they're so young. They're just looking for development. I could be wrong, but we'll see. So we're, we'll leave them for now. We'll see what happens. Um, moving to Southern California, um, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. Traden, you have the Clippers. Oh, God. So <laughs> I'm going to have to sit here and make and make a case that they are not a playing team. They are deep. They are a deep playoff threat. But... <laughs> this is a big butt. We're talking about the Clippers here, boys. Like, how deep they going? <laughs> like, I respect that. I respect that it's the Clippers, and they always find a way to fuck it up. But they look great this season. They're really coming together. Um, I, I, you know, it, it seems like, and, and they're only two games behind the the tops of the division, with two and a half games uh, ahead of the team behind them. Um, eight winners of eight and two with eight um in their last ten, which is best in the conference. I think this team has something there. It's just, it, I, I'm going to put an, I'm going to put quotes around deep, right? Like it's, it's a deep playoff run. If that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I think that, you know, it's deep playoff threat, right? Not deep playoff guarantee. And I think if you look at them right now, they're definitely a threat to go deep. I mean, their, 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 their history. Yeah. Has not proven that they're not really capable of doing that, but as we are now, they are, I would definitely consider them a threat for AD playoff run for sure. Okay. Agreed. Um, all right. Moving on to the team they share a building with, the team they are currently playing as we speak, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, James, you have the Lake Show. I got a play in team here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this team is destined for mediocrity. <laughs> and there's really not much else to say here. I mean, you have a team of Braun and AD and D'Lo, who's been on fire recently because he's been putting up numbers on the offensive end. But the other than that, the way they construct is a bunch of role players and a bunch of role players who can be in and out of the starting lineup because Darvin Ham doesn't know how to make a starting lineup that sticks. He switches it every other game. There's no continuity. There's no consistency. They win a couple, they lose a couple, they win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. And it's back and forth, which is why they are where they are. They're sitting at literally 500 win, lose, win, lose, win. There's no consistency. LeBron is great, but in the last like seven games, he hasn't led the team in any statistical category. Has led them in points, hasn't led them in rebounds or assists. It's literally been the D'Lo and AD show. And reports are saying that D'Lo is out of town. So what are you going to do now? It's going to be the AD show and what else? Like there's so many, so much drama on this team and so much inconsistency and role players that I, they're playing team, and they're not going to get very far. I mean, from my perspective, this team is the same as the warriors in that you cannot put them into who cares. 
Like you have to, you, you can't put them in who cares, but I absolutely agree with James. Um, unless we believe that AD is going to be incredible AD all the way through, they have no chance at a deep playoff threat in my mind. Sorry, boys. Yeah, I, I agree with what everyone said. Yeah. Um, you know, with the Lakers, they started off really well. They won the play in tournament and then lost like nine out of 11 after that. I don't know if just the stress and whatever they put on themselves um, really kind of fucked them. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, they're a team that we saw that can turn it around in the midseason point, but right now that play in is exactly where they should be. Um, moving on to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and Tyler, you have the Memphis Grizzlies. I do. I think, I think they're in the who cares area. Um, I think the return of John Morant uh, might've potentially put him in a playing spot, but now that he's done for the season with an injury, um, it's just a who cares. It's just, just a team that um, is really going nowhere right now. Agreed. Um, they might, they also, they just got stuck in this hole without him. And then they kind of had a nice little run when he came back and now he's out with a uh, shoulder injury. So yeah, I agree. They're in the who cares. Um, you know, unless Trader James disagree. No, no argument there. All right. Moving up north to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are still technically tied for first place in the Western Conference. Trade in the Minnesota Timberwolves. Where you got them? Um, guys, I the Timberwolves have been fantastic this season. Um I I, I have them as a deep playoff threat. I just think that they, there's no way that they're gonna fall below uh, you know, in, into a playoff. Uh, you know, playing spot. I mean, they, they, they just have had a, a great season. You know, you're looking, you're looking at the exact opposite situation as, um, as James's Indiana Pacers, where they are not the greatest offensively, but they are juggernauts defensively, um, uh, in, uh, at, uh, you know, at a, at a net rating of, um, or a defensive rating first in the league. Um, and that's going to win them more games than it's not. So I have deep threat here. Yeah, um, I would agree. I mean, they've been amazing all season other than, you know, what happened last night, but, um, we don't, we don't count that. I mean, it counts in the standings, so. <laughs> It does. but yeah, they've been incredible. They've been way better than we thought they would. I would agree that they they're still in that, in that spot. Um, okay. Trading going back to back the new Orleans Pelicans. Where oh, you oh my God. This one, this one is that middle ground, right? Like, you can't have this many teams in the plan because only four teams go in the play-in. So, but are they, I think we can we can discuss uh, some players again. Again, <laughs> this is a major deep playoff. <laughs> like, I, I think I think that they you know they played well. They you know they they have a five ninety one win percentage. Um, you know, I I just don't trust them to go very far. But I, I can't. I can't like look at the rest of the or look at the rest of the standings and the teams below them. And I'm like, I, I think they're probably as good, if not better than most of the teams in the play in. Um, I'm going to say deep playoff threat because I just don't, I think we're getting too crowded in the play in. So, right. so you want to move in a deep playoff threat. I hate that. I hate it. I just, I'm <laughs> it's definitely very weird to see the Pelicans in that position. Um, but I think as of right now, I think that's probably where they deserve to be. James, James is about to rip my head off here. <laughs> I'm conflicted. Yeah, they're guys, a tough team. You guys are making great points. Uh, <laughs> everybody, logically, it makes sense. Emotionally, it doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
the Pelicans are odd. They are built to not be an offensive-driven team. They're not built to be a defense-driven team. They're not built to score from deep. They're not built to drive and score at the basket. They are an enigma to the offensive and defensive basketball world. How they're doing this good is a mystery to me. Um, they got no proven superstar. Ben Ingram's high all the time. Zion will be fat and might break a foot after he dunks one day. I don't know what's going to happen with this team. CJ McCollum's like the only consistent guy there. And I'm just, I, I think that once they make the playoffs and they will make the playoffs in either a play-in spot or a regular spot, I think that the wear and tear of the entire season will, will break down Zion because he has yet to play a full season. Um, and then all that pressure is going to be on Brandon Ingram who can't emotionally handle everything. He couldn't emotionally handle everything when he was with the Lakers and they weren't good at the time. So now he's finally on a good team and he's going to be asked to lead it, which I don't think he's capable of doing, which then leads CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas to lead the charge. So I don't, they're not a deep playoff threat. They're a playoff threat. They're going to play in the playoffs, but they're not going far. Trayden, has James swayed you to move them down a tier? Look, if we we put them in play, and then we got to move, we got to move one of the four out. I agree. Move the Rockets out. I would move them. Who cares? But again, that the Rockets aren't my team. So, Tyler, as the Rockets owner, are you more confident in the Rockets or the Warriors? Which I, I, yeah, I just I feel like I can, we can't have the Pelicans in deep playoff threats. So I'll, I will I will consent my Rockets to uh, have an emergency landing down in who cares. And, 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 well, we'll put them ahead of the. We'll put them. We'll put the Grizzlies behind them. That makes. <laughs> yeah, we care a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> They're like the Grizzlies are like the or no the Rockets are like they're they're yeah. trying to lift off. We're just mm-hmm. not sure they have enough boosters to get not there. enough fuel. Not on, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. That was the Pelicans are a tough one for sure. Potentially an, maybe another tough one. We will see. James, the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> oh, they're great. This is now this is a fun team to watch. They are explosive. They have a young core that's actually growing up together and. Unlike in years past, the Supersonics, they kept that core. The Sonics and the Thunder, like they disbanded that core, which is dumb. AKA James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant. They all went bye-bye. This core is still here. And this core is good. And Josh Giddy doesn't have allegations he needs to beat just yet. So therefore, this like they are good offensively. That's what they're they're the third best offense in the entire league, the best offense in the West. They go on a winning streak after every single loss. That is consistency. That is desirability to win and just having grit whenever it comes down to it. I like to see him a lot. I got him deep playoff. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. I would also agree. Okay. Yeah, I would agree as well. Um, all right. We are going to the desert in the Phoenix Suns. Traden, this is your last one. The Phoenix Suns also yeah. an interesting team to place. They, they are an interesting team to place. I think they're less interesting than the Pelicans. I mean, I could be wrong here. I know that I know that technically the Suns are um, you know, behind the Pelicans in the standings, but the the Phoenix Suns have A won six in uh won six in a row uh recently. So they put themselves back in a great position. Uh, the Phoenix Suns have made deep playoff runs. They have, and they've been very good for a while. For me, there's no other spot than the deep playoff threat. I don't, I mean, unless someone can convince me otherwise, 
But if you're, <laughs> you got to move the Warriors to booty cheeks if we're moving the Suns to play in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I would agree with that. I think if the Suns are in the play in, the Warriors and potentially the Lakers should not be in there. So I think you have to put the Suns in the deep playoff threat. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like at the beginning of the season, they were struggling because they didn't have their big three. And big three and Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. Devin Booker and Bradley Beal were in and out of the lineup the entire time. Bradley Beal went back in and then went out again. But now he's back and he's back and they're winning. And this this is a pretty formidable team. And you finally get to see what they can do together. And they won six in a row. Yeah, they're they are on a hot streak for sure. Um, Tyler, you're good with the Suns in deep playoff threat. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Tyler, we're going to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, where are they going? I'm going to add the first cheek to the booty cheeks here. Worst offensive mm-hmm. team in the league uh, and a team that, in a, or in a league that is offensively driven booty cheek number one. Yes. I don't think there's much conversation that needs to go um, with the trailblazers. They are not very good. Um, all right, James Sacramento Kings. This feels like a potentially tough team to place where you put the Kings. It is a tough team to place. If you look at just their record. If you look at just their record, they're sitting at the seventh spot, 24 and 18, uh, half the game behind the sixth spot in this, the Suns there. Um, I think overall, if you just look at their standings, you're disappointed because of the success and how good they were last season. Um, you all expected a lot more from them. Everybody on this podcast did, everybody in the world did. Uh, they struggled with consistency at times, but that's because they, De'Aaron Fox wasn't completely healthy. He'd be out for a couple games, and when he come, came back, he wasn't 100%. He's the driving force that offense. But here's the deal. If you just look at the re- recent schedule, they they don't go on very many losing streaks, and they just did. They went on a four-game losing streak. And that four-game losing streak isn't normal for them because, like I said, they don't go on losing streaks. And if you, if you just take those games, right, and you take half of those games and you add them as wins, you're, you're looking at this team in the five spot. And you're not really talking about them potentially being in a plane. You're talking about them being a deep playoff threat. And I think that's exactly where they should be. Deep playoff. This team, okay. is, still, this team is still pretty built to do what they did last season, uh, given the fact that health is going to be the issue here and there. But Sabonis is still great. De'Aaron Fox is still great. Malik Monk is still great off the bench. Uh, Keegan Murray is kind of struggling with consistency right now. But as the season goes on, it's only a second season. He's going to have that little slump. He will get better over time with Mike Brown's coaching. That There's no doubt in my mind that his consistency will come as the season goes farther. This team, I think, is still built to contend and they're, they're, they're still going to do that. But midseason bumps will happen. Four-game losing streak will happen. You can rebound from that and still do what you're going to do. All right. I like that. Tire trading, do you have other feelings? I know. I think uh, I think that was well said. I, I agree. I think I think the Kings are are definitely a deep play out there for me. Um, and I, I totally agree, but that means that for me, that means that we have set the plan up. The next two cannot be in the next, in those two other spots. I think that was probably never going to happen, but I agree with you. <laughs> hey, okay. one of them is in a playing spot right now. Just saying true, but, <laughs> but we are, we're convinced there won't be in a little, <laughs> we are. Um, okay. All right. We will leave that there. Um, Tyler. San Antonio Spurs, where are you putting them? Booty cheeks number two. I own both of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously, fucking eight and thirty-five. It's an eighteen percent winning. I mean, it's horrible. So, yeah, they're awful. Yeah, Tyler gets both booty cheeks this week. Um, yes. Again, apologies, but it's just how the randomizer works. And then finally, yeah, easy. have 
the Utah Jazz, which will be really hard to see on this graphic because it's the same color, but uh, it was what popped up and I didn't want to mess with it. So, uh, James, the Utah Jazz. So the Jazz are interesting because they're sitting at a playoff spot, one game under 500 currently, half game above the Rockets, one and a half games above the Warriors. The issue with this team is that you don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to sell? Who knows? But honestly, who cares about what they do? Because it's like they're at the precipice of a playing team, but not really playing team. But honestly, if they made it, who would care if they made the playoffs Because or the play-in? I wouldn't. Probably the people in Utah don't. Donovan Mitchell alluded to that when he played there. He's like, people don't care about basketball here. Uh, they're probably going to fall off the map around this time like they do every single year for the last three years. Remember when Donovan Mitchell got traded? All of a sudden, his team was great for the first half of the season and then ended up with a lottery pick. It's, it's, it happens every single year. This team is horrible defensively. They are the second worst team in the West defensively. How they're getting by with what they're doing is interesting. But there's no way they can continue doing this coming moving forward. There's no way the management's going to let them do this moving forward. They're going to want to tank because that's what they that's what they do. They're going to sell people other than Laurie Marketing. Jordan Clarkson's probably gone. Everybody, Colin Sexton, probably gone. Laurie Marketing is the only one that's untouchable on that team. He's the only one they're going to keep. This team is gonna is gonna start selling. Who cares? Yeah, I don't think there's a franchise in all four major U.S. sports that will constantly always fit into the category of who cares. <laughs> That's the Utah Jazz. That should be their motto. Uh, Minnesota Wild fit there, <laughs> but they're in the state of hockey. So, like, okay, they're. Oh, but they're so close, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But okay, so we have them all placed. Do you guys feel like we need to move them any of them around? Are we feeling pretty confident with? I, I don't, but James did have me in the first half because he's like, "This team's interesting to place," and I'm like, "Not really." And then he's, <laughs> and then he finally like, "Oh yeah, who cares?" So way to have me in the first half, bud. <laughs> you know, that's drama for you. <laughs> All right, then we are done with this one. So just kind of a recap: in booty cheeks, we have the Portland Trailblazers and the San Antonio Spurs. In who cares? We have the Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies, and Utah Jazz. Play-in teams, the Dallas Mavericks, the New Orleans Pelicans, Los Angeles Lakers, and the Golden State Warriors. Deep playoff threat or just a playoff threat. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, Minnesota Timberwolves, OKC Thunder, Phoenix Suns, and the Sacramento Kings. And then your conference favorite is the Denver Nuggets. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this, guys. I will probably do this again next year at the halfway point. Um, but we're going to have one more quick marquee matchup. Um just we'll go through these really quick. We have James Cavs at the Doc Rivers led Milwaukee Bucks. Cavs. Yeah, Cavs. Tyler. Bucks. Bucks. Do you ever not pick the Bucks? No. Nope. Trading. Uh, I'll take the Bucks. All right. I will take the Cavs. Um, and then Tyler, we have the deep playoff threat Suns at the play in Dallas Mavericks. Suns. Sons. Trading. Sons. Palmes. Also Sons. All right. Well, uh, I'll be boring and pick the Sons. And then <laughs> we have the OKC Thunder taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. Trading. Pelicans. Pelicans. Uh, James? Thunder, man. Most exciting team in basketball right now. That is honestly probably true. Ty? Thunder. Thunder down under. Uh, I'm also going to take the Thunder, but I really want to take the Pelicans just to be different. Um, but that is it for 
this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening on my basketball segment. Segment. Awesome job, Alex. I actually really enjoyed that too. Um, it really gets you, you know, thinking about the whole the whole conference and how everything is going to fit. And if you should you think about it, we have the right number of play, uh, teams in each one, and we are probably going to be right if uh, if the Golden State Warriors do push the Utah Jazz out of there and the and this Kings jump the Pelicans at some point. Um, Thank you. That uh, and uh, good luck to the rest of the teams um, ha- on the second half of their NBA season. Uh, and we have a lot more NBA stuff to go down the stretch. But um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Tyler's in the middle of his offseason, but it's Hall of Fame time. And Tyler has a Hall of Fame segment for us for the baseball world when we come back. And we're back. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that my background is a 14. Does anybody know what the 14 signifies? Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are on a 14 game winning streak. And I'm going to shove it down everybody's fucking hoser until it fucking stops because it is, they're actually encroaching on historic uh, territory here. But we're not talking about hockey uh, much longer because we have Hall of Fame baseball to talk about. Real fast, why did you wait until now to bring up the 14? Because I didn't want to I didn't want to interrupt Alex. Like Alex was really doing a great job. And I'd rather like before Tyler gets into it, I didn't like I wanted to like break that and break it up then, not break it up in the middle of a segment. That was kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, it's just the baseball thing. No one gives a shit about that, right? Hey, it was in the middle of the segment. <laughs> like it's not like it's not like we're like you're like talking and all of a sudden 14 yeah. pops. Up. No, I appreciate that. Uh I thought that was a very funny trade and well done. Um, but yeah, it, it is uh Today, actually, the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame elected the class of 2024. Um, so I thought for this week, it would be fun if we did our own ballot. Um, so I sent out the whole ballot, every every player that was um, eligible for the Hall of Fame. Um, and I had the boys vote, uh, my, my myself included, five players. Typically, on an, on the normal ballot, it's uh, everyone votes for 10. Um, but there's like 100 plus uh, writers that vote for the Hall of Fame. There's only four of us. So I thought, in my mind, that math worked out. So that it wouldn't be like we voted in like, you know, eight people um, that we, you know, we kind of kept it pretty concise, um, which it ended up working out. Um, so uh, today, the base, the National Baseball Hall of Fame in real life, they voted in Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer and Todd Helton. Uh, the TLDR boys voted in the exact same three guys. So congratulations, guys. I think we should be Hall of Fame um writers and we should be able to vote in the hall of fame going forward because we voted in the exact same amount. Um, Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer for us, they were both unanimous. Uh, Todd Helton squeaked in with 75% of the vote. The bottom two for all of us were all different. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go through each one and I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick your brain of why you guys chose those particular two guys. Um, Alex, I'll start with you. Um, so you, like I said, you voted Beltre, Helton, Maurer, uh, but your other two were Chase Lutley and Andrew Jones. So why'd you pick those two? Yeah, so I picked peaks rather than longevity. Plus, I think because well, I also texted you this separately that I was annoyed you made us only pick five um, because I would have had more. But I so part of my reasoning is I put into account what position they played. Um, so specifically for Chase Utley, predominantly a second baseman throughout his career. If you kind of look at all of his stats closer to second baseman, um, he's a top like. 10 to 12 all-time second baseman. Um, and 
with the with the era that he played in, um, you know, he was kind of when he came in was kind of the end of the steroid, like really big steroid era, and then was on some just fantastic Phillies teams. Um, a lot of homers for a second baseman, um, a really feared hitter. And Chase Utley just always kind of felt like, I mean, not a first ballot guy. He was never like, you're going to get in on a first ballot like Adrian Beltre, um, which is like a kind of a thing in, in baseball. There's Hall of Famers and then there's first ballot Hall of Famers. It's kind of a, almost a separate, more elite club. I'm not saying Chase Utley is that guy, but he felt he feels like a Hall of Famer to me. We'll, we'll see how it really goes in the real life. Um, so we'll see. Andrew Jones, this one was really tough for me. But I used it as that those 10 years in Atlanta, he was incredible. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this stat out here. And this is majority of the reason why I did it. Andrew Jones is in a a club of three other guys who have 10 gold gloves and four under 400 plus home runs. Those other three guys, just Willie Mays, you know, Mike Schmidt and Ken Griffey Jr just all time great MLB players. And then Andrew Jones. And yes, his career kind of fell off at the end, but his peak, he was one of the best defensive and offensive players at once. Um, so I, I voted in Andrew Jones. All right. Yeah. I, I like both those picks. I think five was tough and I think you can easily make a case for a lot more of these guys. And it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, in, in, in real life, how, how long is, I think Todd Helton, this was Todd Helton's ninth year on the ballot, I believe. Um, so he finally got in. Um, so sometimes it just takes the guys uh, a, a few years, both Maurer and Bellatrey, both first ballot hall of famers. Um, Trey, I'm going to throw it to you. So obviously you, you had those uh, top three guys, Beltre, Mauer, Helton. Your other two were uh, Carlos Beltran and Alex Rodriguez. Why did you pick those guys? <sighs> well, um, you know how people say, yeah, like, oh, I'm showing my age. Well, I'm about to show my baseball knowledge because Alex just spit, was like firing at all <laughs> cylinders and I'm going to have the worst answer on the planet, dude. Right, I'm right there with you, bro. Like, I'm right there with like, you. <laughs> I really wish we ended with Alex because I have to follow that up. Like I was, I was lost. I was lost. <laughs> so uh, for me, I, I look at Carlos Beltran and, and he's fourth most in home runs by a switch hitter um, in MLB history. And he's one of the best to, to, to do that. And I think that, you know, that inter that unique part of it, um, for me is, it, it is something that should be, you know, kind of looked at. Um, there's not very many, I don't know how many players can like do that effectively or nearly as effectively as he does. Um, uh, and you know, he's the fourth best in terms of home runs and, you know, in that, in that, you know, you know, in that unique role, um, we know we hate him because he's a Houston Astro. I, I get it, but we just got to get over it. Um, I think, I think at the end of the day, if you take that out, um, his resume still kind of shows that, um, he's, he's worthy of a nod. And then, um, Alex Rodriguez, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's Alex Rodriguez, I guess. I mean, um, uh, fifth, most fifth, most homers of all time, three MVPs, 14 all-star games. Um, uh, he ranks among the best ever at his position. Uh, whether you consider him a third baseman or at the shortstop position, uh, I know, and, and I also think that you have to give him. I don't know if baseball does 
uh, builder category or, or player category. Um, now he would go in as a player, but he is doing a great job in terms of, you know, turning around his own issues and, and doing a great job as an analyst on Fox sports. Like I, I enjoy listening to him, uh, you know, talk about the game and, and that helps build the game. I mean, if, if I'm interested in, in, in listening to him speak, that means other not so savvy baseball people are, are probably thinking the same thing. And that, that means something. He's, he's building the game and I know it's not a tangible thing, but you know, you, you can, you can get in on intangibles as well. Great. I thought you did a fantastic job there. I think, you Great. know, I, I, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of a rod. I think everyone knows that, but you know, the, you, you made me think a little bit like, Oh, maybe you're right, but no, but fuck that guy. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> James, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to lead you a little bit, just to be fair, like with this ballot, like all these guys, you can make a case. So there's not really a wrong answer here uh, with votes. It's just interesting to kind of see and pick your brain of why you specifically chose certain guys. Uh, Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez, uh, James, who you had you on your belt along with Tory Hunter. Um, but, but particularly I'm going to focus on Manny Ramirez and A-Rod both linked to steroid usage. Does that at all play a role in, you know, your consideration for them to be hall of fame worthy? I mean, it, it kind of does play a role, but I think that times are changing and you still have to hit the ball. You still have to have that ability, like the hand-eye coordination to be able to make contact and know when to swing as opposed to just having brute strength and being able to cover and doing all that. You still have to have some innate talent. Like I can't take steroids and go play baseball and be the same level that Manny Ramirez and A-Rod are. There's no way that's happening. You can't attribute all their success to PED use. You can attribute some of it but at the end of the day, the numbers are putting up. There's no way you can be like, ah, he used he used steroids. So like all those numbers don't matter because there is still natural talent. There is still the amount of work, blood, sweat, and tears that they put into the game to be the best at their craft. And it still takes a lot of hard work to be where they are. They don't just take steroids and all of a sudden they're great. Like these are naturally talented individuals who are hard at their craft. And I think that, sure, you, you took steroids potentially – Everybody does now. It might just go unnoticed. Like at the end of the day, there's a leg up on it. Some people might take it. Some people may not. But the numbers are there. And this is this is Manny Ramirez's eighth time on the ballot. Like how much longer are you going to leave him on the ballot before you rec- finally recognize the fact that he's one of the greatest to ever do it? Just look at his postseason stats. His postseason stats are fantastic. He's like third all-time in postseason hits ever. 64th uh, all-time in runs scored ever. Like this guy showed up in the playoffs and sure he did some PEDs, but he still didn't win and then put in that work. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. I know. I mean, I like that answer. I think that that's definitely, you know, it'll be interesting to see where that goes with the writers. Obviously we've had a lot of guys get on the ballot and, and leave the ballot. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, the, 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 the big two that have, you know, surpassed their years and they're no longer on the ballot. And, um, you know, the longer we go and, you know, A-Rod a- and, Ma- and Manny for me are two guys that numbers wise definitely should probably be in the hall of fame, but because of their steroids, um, history, they're just not being voted in for that reason. Um, will that change over time? We will only, we'll have to find out, but, um, that'll be interesting to see kind of just where, where they get, um, in terms of numbers and, you know, how that progresses through time. But, um, yeah, my, my other two guys that I had, uh, were David Wright, Gary Sheffield. Um, for me, David Wright, I just think was time with the Mets, you know, all, all, all his career um, spent there, 
Um, you know, I, th- I think the, along with the stuff that he did for for Team USA, also in the in the World Baseball Classic, and those things, I think is something that's not considered a whole lot that I, that I think should be. Um, he was Captain America during during those times. I think that he, you know, in his in in for most of that career there, he was just so good. He was a consistent Gold Glover. He was a consistent All Star um, with 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 the Mets there at third base. So for me, David Wright was one of my fill ins, and then Gary Sheffield, I think. So underrated. I think this was his last year on the ballot, I believe. So he's no longer there, which I think is a shame. I think you look at his numbers. I think he's Hall of Fame worthy. Um, I think that was a huge miss from from the from baseball writers. Um, that dude was an absolute stud. So, um, you know, sympathies out to Gary Sheffield. I know he was one of my favorite players um, as a kid when I first started watching baseball. Like, I love watching that guy play. So, um, that, I just wanted to put that in there because I wanted to give him a chance, but it didn't happen. And that's how it goes sometimes. Um, but that's 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 it for uh, baseball. Like I said, it was a, a pretty quick segment. Um, like I said, we, boys, we voted the exact same three guys in that the um, actual Baseball Hall of Fame did. So I think we did a fantastic job. Congratulations, Adrian Belche, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton on being uh, Baseball Hall of Famers. And you'll see their induction uh, in July in Cooperstown. Yes, congratulations to those gentlemen, and thank you very much, Tyler. That was that was fun, um, and you know I think James and I did pretty good. Um, even though great. we follow up, freaking Alex, the 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 trivia master down there that knows everything inside and out. That was impressive, <laughs> Alex. I just want to take a moment. I didn't know that off the top of my head. I did research. <laughs> well, I know you just, you just you killed it. Well, it it also helps when um, you know you, you've you've heard of the players, and I think that. Now, James, correct me if I'm wrong, but that kind of went into it too. Oh yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, no I know who A Rod is. I know who uh, who uh, Beltrain is, and I know who uh, Manny Ramirez is. So. I will say, with Tory Hunter, if you change the numbers that I gave you, the 10 Gold Gloves and the 400 homers to nine Gold Gloves and 350 homers, like three other guys join that list, and one of them is Tory Hunter. So, props to Tory Hunter, criminally underrated. Yep. Yeah, great defensive player too. Yeah, that, that was that nine. One of the best. One of the best. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, th- thank you very much, Tyler. That was lots of fun. Um, that is all we have for episode one eighty three or Bobby Wagner's tackles for twenty twenty three. James, that's that's a Seahawk. So I, I'm sure you're going to hate this episode, and you're going to you're going to skip through this part of, the, of listening to the podcast. I know that. Um, I, we, uh, at the end of the day, we do hope you guys enjoy, uh, the weekend. Hope you enjoy the, the sports that are going on. Um, we have one more week of full NBA and, um, NHL before they, they, uh, they slow down for their, um, uh, for their all-star weekends. Uh, we have conference championship, uh, here on Sunday, which is going to be absolutely electric. And, um, we, we know we're, we're excited to see who's going to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, we hope you guys enjoy all the sports, um, stay healthy and remember to pay it forward. We'll see you next week.